Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us, and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Welcome to episode 53 of an Inside View podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Irish basketball international, a Houston Baptist Husky star, Anna McGuire. Since a young age, Anna always wanted to get a scholarship and play basketball in America. This dream became a reality for the Belfast native and she is now playing Division 1 basketball in Texas and is currently doing her MBA. Let's bring her on. Hi Anna, welcome to an Inside View podcast. How are you keeping during these difficult times? Hello, thank you so much for having me on. I'm keeping well, I can't really complain. Um, I'm in a bit of a different circumstance where we don't really have that many restrictions and stuff over here. So I'm de- definitely empathizing with everyone at home and excited that everything's starting to open up again. Um, but yeah, I'm all good. I suppose the big question is before we go any further, are the pubs open over there and restaurants? They are, they are. <laughs> I don't think they actually ever close, which is kind of the crazy thing, but um, I'm excited that everything's opening at home finally. Yeah, no, it's... it's um. I know it's open up actually in, in uh, up around Belfast and Northern yeah. Ireland, but quite slow down here. Um, but hopefully that will that will improve over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, so but, but I suppose before we go any further, we'll kind of just set the scene. Um, you're in Texas at the moment. Um, the first thing that comes to people's mind when they say, you know, when they hear of Texas, is cowboys and and <laughs> and horses and whatnot. Is it all? Is it like that? Absolutely. No, I literally was the exact same way. So when I actually first found out I was going to come to Texas, it was like my only full scholarship offer when I um, transferred. And so I originally, like, I don't even know if I've ever told anyone this, I cried because I was like, I have to go to Texas because I have to take full scholarship. Like, I had no idea about the school, no idea. Like, all I heard was Texas. And so I came here and I was like, to visit and I was so shocked like it was nothing like that not that there's anything wrong with cowboys and like tumbleweed but it's I'm very much a city person and so I came here and it was great like it was not like that at all like I live in Houston it's a city and you know there's obviously cowboys here and there but it's definitely not that stereotypical vibe and it was it's so hilarious to me now to think that I like cried when I first heard Texas and now I'm like I love it here you know yeah, you know, I know, you know, when you type in Texas, like in, in Google, like it, you see, obviously you see cowboys and all that, but you see the the skyline. It's an amazing city, uh, Houston. Houston is the yeah. main city there. Um, are you located? Oh, yeah, you are located. Is it in Houston or is it in the outskirts of Houston? Just uh, we're kind of in the suburbs. So I would say we're probably like 10 minutes from Midtown and a little further from downtown. So we're like right there, but just outside it was, which is nice. But it's kind of a weird city, actually. It's like not stereotypical like New York or like Boston or like LA where everything's like compact. Mm -hmm. Like it's really, so like the skyline, you can see it, but like the buildings are actually really spread out. Like you have to really drive everywhere you can't really just walk around it which is a bit different and um, but it is amazing like I really do love it what has the past 12 months been like for you um I know we kind of spoke briefly off air uh, it, you, it was much easier you know to have your sister there 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, having her here has been amazing for both me and my parents at home, you know, just knowing that we're together. It's so great. Um, but no, it's definitely been weird, especially because everything's been technically normal here you know everything's open and in at the start of March they actually removed like the mask mandate and everything which is just a bit mad like they're kind of pretending that COVID isn't a thing and so that's definitely been weird just knowing that I mean watching my parents my sister kind of just sit at home like not being able to move not being able to like do their usual usual life has been really really strange and but over here it's been more or less normal and we're just kind of navigating through how to kind of handle it ourselves because we're aware that COVID is still a thing even if like Texas doesn't want to kind of acknowledge it if you know what I mean and um, but having any here has been absolutely amazing it's just so great having like family when you're so far away from home. How you find it you know from um, a psychological perspective we say you know not being able to get home you know it had to affect you somewhere absolutely I mean I was I was dealing with like I was dealing with it very well I have to say because like we do find like we're settled in here now you know so like I feel like we're kind of used to being here but I definitely struggled a couple days ago because me and Anya had both planned to come home for the summer so I just found out like two days ago that I'm not able to come home until next May which really sucks because I was supposed to be on the Irish team squad and I was so excited just to be home and like see family and friends and stuff and so that really sucks just knowing that because like this that'll be the longest I've ever been home that's like a year and a half and but or maybe even two years at that point but Anya will be getting home so that's really good like I'm glad that she's going to be getting home just because she's been here for less time than me if you know what I mean and so that's definitely been tough and especially even like we have a lot of family in New York so I find going to New York is even like a bit of home um, and we haven't been able to go to New York at all so that's been really tough just because of the different quarantine issues and stuff but now that we're in our last week of postseason so then we'll be able to go to New York which is nice just to see some family so that'll be something if you know what I mean. You were saying there uh, last week of postseason what do you mean by that before the full season starts again is that? Yeah, so basically we finish the season and then we get like two weeks break or we maybe we had three weeks this year. And just because it was a bit of a crazy year, they were like, go ahead for like three weeks. And then you start back again. And then that's when we start doing like five days a week of like practice, weights and then open gym. So we do that for um for about a month and a half. And then we stop for finals week and then we all can go home. Oh, okay. Okay. And yeah. I it's um you know of course it's, it's um it's challenging but hopefully your your parents might be able to get over in the next couple of months all going well that's what I'm hoping I hope the borders open here because that's been the thing too like usually my parent my, my dad will be back and forth a lot for work but the borders have been closed so I'm hoping they'll open soon and then they'll get over yeah definitely definitely hopefully um you know from the Irish perspective looking at the media in America there's a lot going on over there. You've COVID, you've, you know, Black Lives Matters, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, and you've obviously the new government, um, the Biden administration. Have you been exposed to any of that stuff? Apart from yeah. COVID, obviously you you you've lived you're living through COVID, but we say the yeah. other thing. No, absolutely. I mean, our team, so our team is actually half American and actually it might be over half international. We have a lot of internationals. So and um, that was huge. That was a huge, and our coaches are international. So that was a really huge emphasis for us. And um, just in terms of, because we would have, we have a lot of black girls in our team, the, all the Americans. And 
they are amazing like we're all so close and so it was really important for us to put ourselves in a situation where we could say to them listen we understand that we won't ever understand truly you know but if there's anything that you would like to tell us or like teach us or tell us what to do like in terms of how we can help this movement without being like ignorant if you know what I mean because we are essentially ignorant to this and just because not only are we white we're also like from a foreign country do you know what I mean we're obviously that stuff completely happens at home but it's been so prevalent here and for them for years so it's something that we have been a bit ignorant to which is extremely bad so that was we kind of put our we just opened the conversation essentially so that we could say let's keep a dialogue so you guys can tell us if you ever do need to tell us stuff that you can because we know that we don't get it and we're sorry and we empathize with you for that so that was definitely a huge point of emphasis this year and it was really emphasized by our coaches too which was huge because it's something that needs to be on the table for sure no definitely definitely um you touched on there uh what it's like at home um we'll, we'll delve into that because i think that you know looking into your your career and all that i think that shaped you into the person you are today uh, would i be would i be right absolutely yes. yeah so you know belfast beautiful city beautiful city now in fairness i was up there before Thank covid you. hit and it's uh such a amazing city i love it up there in fairness but um let's delve into it you know what was it like growing up there it was amazing i mean i was really really blessed with my parents and i genuinely i mean i owe them everything like they really raised us and with a complete i mean it's all about how you're being like what perspective you're raised with I really feel like and we were really raised with a integration perspective and so we actually went to an integrated school that was in a real it was actually more Protestant like it was in a very Protestant area and we're Catholic like but um yeah so we were kind of delved into that which was great I mean I had friends both Protestant and Catholic and like a lot of people I know at home grew up with only Protestant friends or only Catholic friends and so only British or only Irish technically you know so because as much as I mean it's so much better than what it was but there is still that bit of division that still needs to be worked with and so that was definitely huge and I definitely think that having that perspective really shaped how we think about everything because I mean everywhere in the world has their problems do you know what I mean it's just me I mean here obviously the situation was a uh, color whereas at home it was religion so it was like having that bit of perspective and being able to apply it to other things and um, really really was just amazing and listen I love Belfast like I literally it's my favorite place in the world like I love home so I'm really grateful that I've come from somewhere with that type of history so that I could learn that you know I think you touched on something very important there and I think a lot of people who haven't been brought up in that environment you know can't read really related unless they go away um is integration you know yeah that's something a lot of people don't really understand until they go away and they have no you know they have no they have no choice but to integrate into society whether it's in Australia or whether it's in America whatever the case may be um did you ever experience uh, that you know Catholic Protestant divide I'd imagine you probably did I it's funny like the only thing I would say I mean yeah of course I like witness things and I was I would say the one thing that I experienced was actually more like 
like to do with the whole of Ireland so like obviously so like I said I grew up in like a Protestant area I would say like I went to a Protestant high school Protestant and it was integrated but it was in a Protestant area so it was very like Protestant oriented and and so a lot of them it was very much like well you're Irish you're Irish or whatever or then when I played for Ireland and stuff at the start like when I would go to the south it was very like oh you're British like you're British like go back to the north and I was like I cannot win <laughs> you know what I mean so I really feel like like that was one of the main things I loved about playing for Ireland because I was like literally no one can take this away from me like I have Ireland across my chest like I'm from Ireland so that was a huge thing for me just because obviously and I think like I mean this is the main thing that my parents said like brought me up on too like a lot of the times when people are fueled by anger of this stuff like they actually don't know what they're really fighting for a lot of a lot of people a lot of people are just like brought up to hate the other side you know and that impl- that's applied for over here too which is just like so sad and so I think it's just trying to find a way to kind of understand it and like integrate into that do you know what I mean like try to feel, make people feel like it's okay you know what I mean to integrate and um, but yeah that was definitely my one experience that I definitely felt that's, when I was growing up you know that's interesting yeah no that's yeah. like I, I can only imagine what that is like um but yeah you know you obviously hear stories and you see what's going on at the moment up there it's um you know it's not yeah. great it's not great and hopefully that will will be rectified soon um you touched on your parents there on a few occasions and just for people who, who wouldn't be aware both of them um are highly successful you know sports people both played for Ireland and both are doing extremely well in their you know professional careers I believe your mother is a lecturer and your father um was was a teacher and he now um is over sport changes life he set that up the foundation um how much of an influence we kind of covered already but yeah. I can only imagine from a sporting context it must have been incredible 100% like both my parents founded it together and like they both they're just such a great balance to like create something so amazing like like they're so opposite but like it's perfect you know and um, but no that had like such an amazing impact on my life and from such a young age I was I mean that's a huge thing too like not only was I brought up in Belfast I was also brought up witnessing a lot of the stuff because that's what their charity sport changes life works with it's like trying to integrate um, and trying to help young people achieve things so that was huge for me and they were working with young people all the time so and like everything was very confidential but you know I could see things you know what I mean like whether it was within their programs and then also within that they I mean my dad grew up like right in the middle of the troubles in Belfast and and the main thing I mean he started the charity because two Americans and um, came over and when he was a kid and like really really influenced him you know like really showed him that there was a world outside of Northern Ireland and so that's why he was like we need to set up this program and we need to get victory scholars which is essentially the Americans that they bring over to do their masters in Ireland mm-hmm. to work with the kids in their programs because my dad was like that will show people that there is something outside of this world, you know, and like, it doesn't have to be with sport, but it's like using sport as like a tool to show that. And so that meant, and like, my parents are very much like the doors always open, like come into our house whenever. So we had like victory scholar and American basketball players and who were like my age at now and coming into my house all the time from when I was super young. And I would just consider them, I mean, I'm the oldest sister in my family but I would consider these people like older brothers and older sisters and I just thought the fact that 
they played basketball in America at Division One NCA was like the coolest thing. Like I just thought it was amazing, and I just thought a lot of them were so great. So growing up with people around me like that all the time, I was like, I want to do that. Like I'm absolutely doing it, and so that really like I feel like shaped me to want to be someone who can do that and then also use that platform to like help others because that's what my parents program really initiated you know so yeah it 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 is a lot to do with like why I am like how I am today for sure oh that's uh that's amazing how yeah how it it very much did influence you and you know I suppose from from a young age you know like you said you've seen those those scholars coming over you know playing division one you were just focused on on you know going over there then at some stage you know when you're older and when you said uh, victory scholars um what do you mean by that okay victory scholars so that's what they essentially called the um the people that's what they call the people that they take over like the graduate students they Mm -hmm. they take over to do their master's who play sports that's what they just call them victory scholars Mm -hmm. Um, and so they basically use them to like inspire the youth that they're working with in their programs where they try to integrate and like help them achieve i came across um something interesting and it, it just i think it feeds into what you just said already um you know from a young age you see you saw these people coming into the house and you know at a young age your brain is a sponge you're influenced by your parents are influenced by these people coming in Absolutely. then you were doing extra training um you know uh, like never mind the extra training, but you're on student councils. You're the head of the hockey team, I think, and you're the head of the yeah. netball team. So you did a lot of extracurricular yeah. activity as well. How did you manage to balance it all? Because you know, and achieve on all those spheres. Yeah, I was very. I mean, I've learned a lot from that time in my life because I hundred percent. I did. So I personally thought it was that way or no way at all. I was very like from a very from a very young age like I said I was like I need to do this and I was like and to do that I need to be the best candidate the U.S. student athlete so I was like I need to do all of this or I won't get there you know that was kind of my view and as much as I'm happy I did those things because I got a lot a lot of experience from it there definitely was a point where I did mentally struggle just to like um not so much to balance it but more in my head to be like it's okay to like take a breath do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I really got myself to a point where I was so worked up. I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this rather than being like, this is a really cool thing. Let me do this. You know, because it's mm-hmm. like, not that I didn't enjoy doing those things, but I almost put a pressure on top of all of the things that I think made me get to a point where I was like, like, this is, this is hard, you know? So I think that if I was to go back, I would do it again. Like I definitely enjoy all the things that I did, but I think I would come with a different perspective instead of being like, I have to do these things. I would have been like, okay, like, great. What can I add to this? What can I add to this? You know? I suppose like, you know, as you said there, I have to do these things. Um, I suppose, you know, as you get older, you kind of realize I, I have the opportunity to do these things because you kind of realize life is precious really. Um exactly. You know, and it's hindsight is is a great thing. I'm the same. You put too much pressure on yourself, and you know, end up getting sick, or you you know, you get mental block or whatever. But uh, no, that's that's definitely that's definitely very very interesting. Um, I came across your father's Instagram page, and uh, he's brilliant videos oh. up. 
Um, what is that a unique saying? And is that a Northern thing or what is it? So my dad, like I said, always likes to inspire. Like he's always trying to create a platform where he can. And like, you know, he's he's amazing. Like I love the videos and they've got a lot better because he used to come on and talk for like an hour. And so this year he was like, no, I need to literally do like a minute a day. And I was like, I completely agree. Cause now I watch them every day and I'm like, okay, great. What's his message today? Instead of just sitting there and be like, okay, get to the point, you know, like, I think he's got a lot better and his view is awesome. Like he's very like, he's very like, if I can inspire even one person by what I'm saying today, like that is so great and like that's something that I was also raised on too is like it's something so simple but it's like always say hello right and it's like growing up it was like no matter who it is like say hello it could be a stranger say hello when you're walking by because like you could be having the most terrible day like ever do you know what I mean and like someone's hello like could like literally just give you that little pickup that you need equally someone's hello could do absolutely nothing for you that's fine but you don't know what everyone else's situation is so my dad's just huge on like trying to help that one person that needs it that day. Like he doesn't know who it is. He doesn't care if they realize it at the time or not, but if it can, you know, help inspire someone or help influence someone to, you know, take that extra step, then he'll do that. And, you know, me and Aaron, like all get this all the time, you know, like he sends us texts about it. He calls us about it, which we love, you know what I mean? Because I mean, some days you're like, all right. Like some days you don't want to hear it, but other days it's like, okay, you know, I really needed that. So it really does make me laugh because half the time he's just taking the mick. But like a lot of the times it's actually really great information. And he does have a lot of experience in like, you know, dealing with those type of things and like working through like, like how to be mentally strong. So I really respect like that he does it. And I think it's great because he, he is reaching people, you know, like people, reach out to me about it pretty often and I'm like I know like I mean I think it's great so and he says at the start of every uh every video what about you is that a Belfast thing it's very very Belfast yeah (laughs) very Belfast (laughs) brilliant brilliant um I just I suppose look we'll we'll bring it on more now and you kind of touched on sport changes life foundation and you know the influence has been on you and the influences has been on the you know the community in in Belfast um do you want to just kind of give a bit more you know information on it it's it's set up and it's it works in conjunction of the uh UUJ doesn't it yeah so basically um it works with like a bunch of the colleges all around the country but it definitely started with UUJ and it basically like the UUJ is basically where we do a lot of the meetup because in Northern Ireland is where we do the most youth work and um, in terms of actually bringing groups like e-hoops for example so it's basically say for example we have a group of guys will basically uh play they'll come like once a week or twice a week and play sport for an hour and then and, like with the victory scholars and then they'll go to the classroom and kind of work on and um, different things to kind of like end up with a certificate or end up with some type of degree and um, and so if it's girls like we basically stop at like talk to them at the start try kind of get a feeler of what they like because you're kind of trying to use whatever they like as a tool so whether it's soccer or basketball even with girls and sometimes they've been we've had a couple of groups who are just not into sport at all and so we've changed that and made it something to do with art or something like that so it's basically trying to find something that you can use as a tool to kind of get these people to talk and then or get these people to kind of feel comfortable and like start integrating with one another. So, um, and then they can, they do that often with the Victory Scholars. So then um, they basically use them as like a mentor 
So it's really awesome because it really helps the youth, you know, like obviously having that older figure who's been been there done that and then also it helps the victory scholars because that like what an amazing experience to like be changing people's lives because you quite literally are like it is unbelievable to see the impact that one person can have on your life you know and like sometimes I feel like that's like so easily like passed by but it's so true like I really feel like we are each other's like greatest resource so it's like trying to find a way where people feel comfortable enough to like actually use that as like an asset if you know what I mean and I feel like um that just completely builds a platform where you can do that but yeah so it's connected with UJ so I think the last I mean this year was kind of a mess because of COVID obviously but usually I think we have about five scholars in Jordanstown and so they do their masters there and they work with the youth in that area and then it's all around the country so it's NUIG and it's literally like Trinity there's there's a bunch of colleges that are involved in it and they each usually get two scholars and they usually work with like younger teams and within their clubs or within their schools and are those scholars sponsored or do they still have to like what way does it work do they pay to come over or no no full scholarship oh wow geez yeah it's a full scholarship yeah for them to do their master's so it's it's huge like it's a really an amazing opportunity for sure Jeez, that's that's brilliant. Whoa. Um oh geez, that and I, it's it's and is it targeted to certain areas in the States or, or has that grown over time? Yeah, no, so it's pretty so we pretty much um we had the most contacts in the northeast. Mm-hmm. So the vast majority of our scholars so far have been mostly from schools in the north in the northeast, not necessarily from like that the individuals from there, but mostly schools in the northeast. Um, but we've also had kids from like the south and the west coast, but just I would say mostly it's been the northeast. Okay. But we are yeah. trying to expand that all. Like we're looking for people from all over the country who just happened to had. I mean, there is just that bit more of a connection between Ireland and Europe and the northeast. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Especially you know, if New York and you have Boston, they're naturally <laughs> well, well connected yeah. to. Ireland so you obviously went down the the basketball route um and you you know you focus on that as you got older in your teens but early in your teens you know and as you're growing up what other sports did you play I played netball and I played field hockey and I played judo which is really random and but I always knew like it wasn't a matter of deciding for me like I always knew I was gonna play basketball and so I just did net I did netball because my teachers were like first of all I was involved in everything like I just wanted to be involved in everything because I was annoying like that but my teachers were also like I mean you're you play basketball so you're you've got to be good at netball like come on give it a go and then I was decent at it like so I did, I did enjoy it but it's no basketball if you know what I mean like I wanted to dribble or like maybe hit someone a wee bit you know so it was it was too I don't know it wasn't my thing and then field hockey I really enjoyed it I was not great at it but I was center mid so I got to run up and down the pitch a lot so it was a bit of fitness training for me like that's kind of how I looked at it and I enjoyed I actually enjoyed the sport like as much as I wasn't great at it like I really enjoyed doing it and then judo I did from like a young age and I mean it was enjoyed like it was cool like learning that type of stuff but I mean again like basketball was my sport you know so how do you think you know what transferable skills um or what skills do you learn from those three sports that complemented your basketball 
I think there's loads. I mean, I think the one thing for sport in general is being able to um, work as a team and like understand like how to communicate with people on a team because obviously people are much different. So, I mean, my basketball team at home, like I pretty much was dealing with like the same people the whole way up, you know, like it didn't really change too much. Whereas netball and hockey was way more like versatile. Like I wouldn't really, like the people would change from year to year. So that was definitely huge for me, like getting to see new people. So from the mental side, I think that was one, like, like you know, working with new people. Um, but then I think in terms of um, physically, I mean, netball was cool because it was really like, um, in terms of like getting away from me, it was huge for like getting away from people. Like in terms, like, I played wing attack. I don't know if you really know netball, but like you basically had to like go and like, you had to be wide open because you, you couldn't dribble, do you know what I mean? So it's not as if you could go ahead and bounce, like you had to be open. So that was big. And one thing I struggled with in netball is they always tried to get me to um, slow down my shot, which I did not like because like, you know how they have to stand like far away, if you know what I mean? So I think that sport taught me patience. And, and then field hockey was, I think, huge for my fitness. Like it really got me running all over the place. So I would say fitness wise, that was huge, huge, hugely transferable. Big question that, you know, I got this in from a lot of people, um, you know, when we put up the question box was, you know, and I think you, you've been asked this before. Um, how do you go about, you know, getting a scholarship in, in, a, in America? Yeah, well, there's definitely lots of routes. I mean, I know more now that I'm here than I did, like, you know, back when I was trying to get one. And um, But there's definitely a lot of paths you can take. So firstly, I mean, you can always just send highlight tapes and videos, kind of contact coaches, which I did. And um, I mean, you're, you would be very, I mean, you can get recruited that way, but you're very lucky to get recruited that way just because coaches want, do want to see you live, you know? So unless you have enough things to kind of back you up, then that's pretty tough. So I was extremely lucky and and I went to a post-grad school called the Hun School in Princeton. And so basically I'd already graduated high school and you just go and you play the sports. I played basketball, you play your chosen sport, all sports do it. And you basically take classes, but I mean, you can kind of take whatever classes you want because you've already graduated high school and you just play your sport. And that's when you can, kind of get coaches to come and watch you play for the year you know so that's pretty much how I did it and then another option is you can go to a junior college and and do the same type of thing like get noticed but the only thing with that is that it takes away your eligibility for how long you're there oh okay and what do you mean take away your your eligibility (laughs) what do you mean by that so the so when you're in the NCAA and you have or when you're in you play basketball over here you get um a five-year window to play four years of eligibility so you have to play like basically four years within that five years so the reason say for example me like I played my freshman year sophomore year and then I redshirted because I transferred so I sat within that year so and I was eligible for my last two years you know whereas like if I didn't sit that year I would be done now because I wouldn't have an next year so basically if you play JUCO you lose a year but your window is still open. And you know that first year you played with the, the Hun University, University um, or the Hun College, sorry, uh, did that count as one year? No, that doesn't count because that's like a high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's only like colleges because I was just like a post-grad. 
So whereas in college, like that's when it starts counting, whether it's junior college or so that's JUCO or whether it's a regular college, that's when it's when your like clock starts. And is there any truth in that you started sending and you started contacting um, coaches at the age of nine? That is completely true. I literally, <laughs> I knew from like such a young age I wanted to do it. And like, I literally started emailing like Duke and like Baylor and like my, like one of the colleges I love was Lafayette. And I used to just email them and be like, hi, like, and I would literally go on to like their athletic staff and just email. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, hey, like, I really want a scholarship on your team in like, like seven, nine, how many years it was. And only like my mom only found out when like a few weeks later I was like, Mom, they're not emailing me back. Like, why have I not heard from any of them? And she was like, Who isn't emailing me back? And I was like, All the colleges. But I was I was eager. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's amazing. Not like you, you you know, that probably just that does show your your determination and eagerness from you know from such a young age. Yeah. Um, you know, due to the work you were doing and the work you're putting in on the court. And obviously, well, predominantly the court, um, you know, with the goal of, of getting that scholarship. And, you know, probably when you would have been playing with people that mightn't have been as committed as you, do you find that quite yeah. difficult in your teens? Um, um, I didn't find, I mean, I can, so I would say overall, no, I didn't find it difficult with people because like honestly there wasn't really anyone in my age group who wanted to go to America and as far as I was aware and I knew that and so I kind of knew that but like that was just emphasis for me that I had to do more do you know what I mean like I mean I always wanted to be doing more anyway so like I don't know I didn't the only thing I'm frustrated about that sometimes was like um say for example in club when I was like a teenager if like certain people would be like oh I can't make it tonight or I can't make it like that would annoy me like I'm like at least show up for like the pro- like the practice or at least show up for the games you know like that would bother me and but at the same time I get it like that like it was my priority and it wasn't other people's so like I don't know but I did it did bother me the commitment thing like I was like I'm not asking to do like for you to do more but just do the bare minimum so we have numbers please you know like that was the only thing but other than that, then no, I wouldn't really say so because, like, I wanted to be doing the most. Like, I wanted to be that person that was putting that extra work in. So I was fine with it. Yeah, no, because you know, the reason I was asking that is because sometimes, you know, you see, um, you know, people that obviously, you know, are extremely talented from a young age and they've they've goals and objectives of, of um, you know, representing the county or representing their country or perhaps going abroad to play, you know, more competitive and they can naturally get frustrated, you know, seeing their, seeing other people that might have the similar goal and they mightn't be committed. Um, so that's just the reason I was just kind of wondering what, what was your um, yeah. opinion around it. Um, you went to, you lead, you Lydia, sorry. Yeah. Integrated. So you went to Lydia integrated college in Belfast um, mm-hmm. and you actually achieved, you know, a lot there. You were class president, debate team captain, student council president, Rotary international president, <laughs> Rassity basketball captain, pronunciation probably wrong, your hockey captain, and you were netball captain. So you just said there earlier on that you weren't great at hockey and you weren't great at netball, so you must have been handy enough if you were named captain of both. 
I was all right. I think I was definitely the most like I'm always like the loud, like chatty, like leadership. And I wasn't terrible. Like I was good. I was grand. Like, but I wasn't like I wouldn't have really pursued him. Like I was okay, but I wasn't anything special. Um, but yeah, no, I was definitely chatty. I feel like I mean I don't think the captain always needs to be the best player on the team. Like that's definitely a huge belief of mine. Like I don't think that like determines who the leader is. You know. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely, and I think you know. I suppose have since you've advanced and you know you went you went abroad. Um, if you you know down the line, if you were coaching a team, who you know what co- qualities would you be looking in a player to be a captain? Um, I think definitely someone who has the most positive influence on the team. That's huge. I mean, you can always get big characters, and but that doesn't mean anything if they're like spreading like negativity you know like it needs to be someone who has a positive influence and is consistently um aware of each person on the team like I think that's important to kind of know each person on the team as an individual in terms of like knowing how they'll react to certain things or knowing what gets them hyped up or you know things like that someone that can always get the team kind of hyped up in a positive way is like huge for me um, when you're in in um, when you're in, in college in, in Belfast, you know you won the All Ireland the nineteen um, cup. The, I think it was the C competition at the time. I believe would you been playing with your sister then, or, or yeah. when would have you been playing together? Was it was it then? Yeah, that was I played with Anya then. I mean that was probably that was like around the time that I was like really like crashed from like everything that I was doing. So I was kind of like not feeling great actually around that time. Like I was just feeling really like like I'm dying right now but I was just crashing from everything that was going on but that was cool because me and Enya played and my dad was the coach so that was like really awesome because usually my mom coaches us like it's very rare that like my dad's so busy like he never really gets a chance to so it was really really cool and we had super fun we had a really good time doing that and and the girls you know we kind of just got our mates to come along do you know what I mean like had maybe like two practices and just won it and it was it was a good good crack like it was good fun and look, it's probably, you probably get along great now, but we say back then, you used yourself and Inya clash on the court, or did you clash at all? We did a bit, to be fair. Like, I would, um, I mean, back then, I was a point guard too. Like, we were, I mean, I would play one, two, and she was more primarily a point guard. Um, and so when we were on the floor together, I would have played the two more. And I just always wanted her to give me the ball more than she did. Like, so we would have, we would have clashed a bit from that. Um, but we honestly didn't play with like we did play with each other but not like we did now because growing up like I was always like the one who took like I was always like let's go like you're with me whereas now we're together do you know what I mean it's like a difference like where that I was always like not like I was I don't know she was always like my little sister type of thing you know coming along with me whereas now it's like no we're like two best friends and we're together and so it's like different there is that difference and I mean we were apart for four years you know and like obviously we talked on the phone a lot and everything but it's not the same really as like being together so definitely when I when we got flew home because of quarantine me and Yana and all got way closer and and ever since Anya's moved here we've got way closer and we really don't clash on the court like we are I can honestly say that Anya is my biggest fan and like vice versa you know and my mom will kill me for saying that but (laughs) Anya also supports some of the dumb things that I do (laughs) so like she's my biggest fan no matter what but yeah brilliant brilliant. look we'll delve into um 
you know, the first couple of years when you went to America. So when you hopped on the plane and you were going to Hun University, is it Hun College or Hun University? And um, It's just called the Hun School. It's like a high school, basically. We, we'll just delve into what it felt like when you hopped on the plane and you went to the, the Hun School, you know, in, in Princeton. Um, you know, you were going and you're only, you know, you had no other plan B, you're, you're only plan A, and that was to go there for the year, play basketball and get a scholarship. There was no yeah. guarantee you would get a scholarship. How, what were the emotions? Did you feel pressure? You probably I, did. I felt pressure to an extent. However, I was, I must have been ignorant or something because I fully didn't think like I don't know I was so determined I wouldn't say ignorant I was so determined that I really didn't see there being a plan B and I had a plan B set up like I did have Loughborough University like I had a position there and everything that I deferred in case things didn't work out and but I really just didn't think that there was any chance it wouldn't work out like I literally was like as soon as I get to like as long as I get to America I'm fine like I'm gonna get somewhere like that that's what I fully believe so I felt like by going to Hun like I'd find a way to prove myself to a couple of coaches and I would be fine like that's because I did believe in myself like I was like I've worked for this my whole life I deserve it and I'm gonna try I'll put myself in a position where I can get that opportunity for myself and looking back now because you know when you're older you're, you're, you know you naturally you assess you know when you're younger um do you think you had that belief because you knew you put all the hours in and you put all the hard work in did that come with did that belief come with hard work 100 percent. like I definitely believe that um not all the time but I think that a lot of confidence comes from the hours that you put in the gym or the hours that you put in whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and mm-hmm. um, and like I can say like without a shadow without a shadow of a doubt I did every single thing plus more to put myself in the perfect position to be the perfect you know like I did everything that I could do in my power and and so I definitely think that was huge and and I did believe in my ability like I was like I I can play like I know I can play at this level so that was huge and like of course like it's a whole different ball game when you get here you know because like kind of joining into teams that have been playing with each other for years like that's hard and but there was definitely a huge part of me that was like I like I did believe then and I still believe now that I deserved it so I think my confidence was kind of driven by that in a sense what would you've done so you know you obviously put the hours in in the court but you said you did everything in your power to be the perfect recruit what yeah. other things did you do with say off the court so um yeah so apart apart from um on the court like I would have I mean, I studied a lot. I tried to do the best I could in my schoolwork. I put myself in every single extracurricular I could find, as you know, and to try and just kind of build my resume, per se, because obviously I couldn't get a job either just because I was um, playing so much, like up and down the country a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt like I had to kind of compensate for that with other stuff. Um, And I think other than that, um, like I kind of trained myself mentally to understand that – I can only control the things that I have power over, you know? So like, that was like really huge for me because that's kind of when I got to a point where I was kind of like, you know, feeling crappy. Like when I was going, when I was doing all that stuff, because 
I was I was doing all that and then stressing that it still wouldn't work out and so I had to get myself to a point where I was like okay Anna chill out like you're doing everything that you can do like that's all you can do so I think that was huge like understanding that there's other factors that I can't control and that's okay you know so I think it was like getting myself to a point where mentally like I understood that and how uh, you know um you were doing a huge amount of things and you were you know you alluded to in a few on a few occasions now that at times they kind of got it got on top of you yeah um what did you do to kind of be in control of that again or to understand that yeah I actually started seeing a sports psychologist because I was like it was all like the same time it was like over a span of like four or five months I just like really struggled mentally and so I started to go see a sports psychologist who my mom knew my mom worked with and I hated it at the start because my whole issue was that I wasn't talking about it like I was just like I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm going to America I'm going to America like it was just the constant like like it's fine it's fine and so like that was really terrible like I've learned that I'm the type of person that needs to talk about things and especially like nowadays it's so good because I feel like like I need to talk about those things so that other people know that like it's okay you know and because like when I hear people talking about it I'm like okay great like it's not just me like I feel that way too like but yeah definitely that few months I started going to see a sports psychologist and he eventually started getting me a point where he tried to teach me like um mindfulness which is like a, a, a type of meditation and so that was something that really helped me. Like, it was really hard to, like, learn. But, like, once I learned it, like, I actually found it extremely helpful. Like, it really helped me get into a mindset where I just was able to, like, not forget, but, like, gain perspective in a sense. So that was, like, super helpful to me. And, like, even today, like, if I was to struggle, like, if I was, like, get to a point where I was to be struggling with something, I would just turn back to that because that's something that really has helped me. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that you know when when we're brought up, maybe it has changed, you know, in the lately. But you know, we're brought up and we're never kind of taught how to listen to our feelings or listen to our bodies. And yeah. you know, it ultimately it affects everyone in their teens. You know, geez, even sorry, older as well. Um, and you know, mindfulness. And you know, did you would you practice visualization? Yeah that was a huge part of it too like that was um, I would do that more so I would do visualization more for um like before matches and stuff like I would have done that to maybe like kind of see the ball going in the hoop or like you know something along those lines whereas for mindfulness it was more just like like my whole life just being able to like bring myself down and like chill you know mm-hmm. yeah no no the, the mindfulness I suppose be grounded and live in the moment and all all that yeah um and using skills to to do that um but you know was in the visualization thing you know would that been something you would have been doing consciously uh, well so probably subconsciously from a young age and then consciously as as you as you got older or is that just something you you know used lately I think definitely subconsciously I always did it just in terms like I always pictured myself in America I pictured myself playing at a certain level like I always would have like thought of it like that was my dream you know so I was always thinking about that and um, but definitely I think when I got a little bit I mean maybe when I was probably like under 18 I started doing a little bit here and there probably around the same time that I had mindfulness and just picturing myself doing well and like and um, 
and like playing well like I definitely did that at Europeans and stuff like that and but I definitely did it more when I came over here because I mean you get like a very like I mean my freshman year in particular like I got very limited time on the court so like I was trying to get myself to a point where like I could visualize myself going on the court cold you know and like being able to do well and like you know like that was huge for me because it's hard like when you're sitting on the bench and you come on cold and it's hard not to just like file someone right away or like you know be like because you're thrown into the middle of it so I think that was a huge thing that I used to kind of um visualization was huge for me to do, be able to do that well we'll, we'll actually delve into that in a bit more in a few minutes um because there's one or two things I want to want to touch on with you about that but just for people that you know wouldn't be too aware of the whole makeup of the basketball scene over there the NCAA, is, you know, is the governing body as such in this. Yeah, and then there's mm, yeah. there's three or four. Is there three divisions or four divisions, you know, in the in each conference? Yeah, there's three divisions. There's three divisions, and then I believe this could be a lie, but it's roughly Division One. We have, like, 36 conferences, I believe. It's around yeah. that number anyway. And then there's uh, – yeah, so that's just in Division One, And within the divisions – you can have anywhere from I think my guess is like eight to fourteen teams, eight to sixteen teams. Um I think there's like three hundred and fifty teams, three hundred and sixty teams in division one. I believe. You know, would the winners don't mark, of don't mark my word. <laughs> we won't hold against you as uh, it's a rough estimate um, you know with the winners of those divisions then we say all the division ones would they go into you know around robin competition for the overall winner or how yes absolutely so each conference has a winner and um, and then the bigger conferences maybe like i think it's like the top 10 conferences or maybe the top five have like two winners from their conference we all go into the um, March Madness. So it starts with 64 teams and it's it's knockout like. So it's 64 down to 32 down to 16. So Sweet 16, then Elite 8, then Final Four. So Edel Thornton from Cork, I'm not sure. Do you know her? She's, oh. She played at Quinnipiac University in the MAC conference. She played there. She was a year older than me or two years older than me when I was, we were in the same conference. I was at St. Peter's she was at Quinnipiac and they went to the Sweet 16 they got the whole way to the Sweet 16 so that was really really cool and she had an awesome experience there Has any Irish female or male at that even for that matter played in the WNBA or the NBA? Yeah so the WNBA um, Susan Morin who currently coaches St. Joe's University and um, she is she is amazing she's really great my parents have a really great relationship with her she played for the New York Liberty and she actually played for my my so my freshman my coach my freshman year was her WNBA coach for New York Liberty which is kind of cool and um, and she's great and then I believe Pat Price no not Pat Price Pat Burke sorry out of that. Pat Burke played NBA and he's from Ireland. And my dad knows him. But other than that, I think that's it. I think there's only been two, if I'm not mistaken. We kind of touched on this as well off air. Would going down the route of WNBA be something you, you know, you'd like or you've thought about? 
No, I definitely, I think that after this, I don't think I'm going to play professionally. I think even if I was to, I'd, I personally don't think I'm up to speed from a WNBA. I know that I would be more, um, I mean, there's amazing European teams, but I think I could definitely get a better position in Europe, Australia. But I don't actually think that's the route I want to take. I mean, I love playing basketball and I'm really grateful for everything it's given me, but I think I'm kind of ready to move on to my next stage and like still play basketball, absolutely, but just not the like same like high intensity level. Uh, why would that be? Would it be just, this was... Um, I, I know and it's so crazy because like when I was like younger like I mean I completely wanted to play professionally and so like looking at people and who were me like my position now who said who said what I just said I would have been like what? like why would they like they've come this far like why would they not want to go that bit further you know and um, but I don't know like I mean it's amazing over here but it really does take a toll on you do you know what I mean like it is a lot mentally and physically um, and this is I'm going into my fifth year of it as well because since I redshirted last year so I have that extra year on my clock so I don't know I've just like I think I'm just ready for my next stage and it's not the net I'm not moving away negatively or anything I'm just like I think like I'm ready for that next part of my life that's fair enough no that's uh that's fair enough and what would you like to do you know when that you know how that that chapter kind of somewhat closes for you um or even yeah that chapter closes for you what would you like to do it in um so I eventually like my end goal is to work with my parents in Inspire Sports their new business as well as Sports Changes Life their charity like I would love to have a massive role within that and but until then I would like to like I want to actually be able to like add value to that um, and as much I think I could add now, but I want to be able to come back and like know more, if you know what I mean. So I think I want to like kind of get experiences with a bunch of different types of business and um, on a global scale so that um, when Inspire Sports like expands worldwide, I can have a better idea of like global business. And that's also why I did international business as my major and um, before my as my, for my bachelor's degrees and um, just because. I want to get that better understanding of how business works on a global scale. What was the biggest change, you know, in the sporting context when you moved from from Ireland to the States? Obviously, you know, it's completely different, but just what was your biggest change? Um, I think the huge thing in terms of playing basketball that I had to get used to was the defence. Um, because at home you can be much more rough like here you really can't be like it's very like there's like a two touch rule and like obviously basketball is no contact sport so like at home obviously you can't like hit anyone or anything like that but you can have a bit of contact here and there you know whereas here we have a two touch rule so if I was like even just tap someone like touch their jersey or anything if I was to then touch them again like 10 seconds later that's a file you know like even if it's not like a bump like it's just like a like and I really hated that. And um, I don't know, I just had to learn to like move my feet faster, I guess, and like keep my hands up because I struggled with that at the start for sure. And um, just because it's weird, because it's like, I would say that it's more like athletic over here. So you have more opportunity for it to be physical, but it's definitely more physical back home. Like there's more like bumping and like, which I like, you know, like you may as well get stuck in, whereas you can't do as much over here. So that was definitely hard to get used to. You signed with St. Peter's University in 2009. You were there for two seasons, maybe 2000, sorry, 2017 to yeah. 2019. Um, what was that period like? 
my it was I mean I loved St Peter's like don't get me wrong I loved it I lived 10 minutes from the World Trade Center and 15 minutes from Madison Square Garden so I was living my best life like I love New York and I have a lot of family in New York too so I was super lucky that way and also really enjoyed the school it was a city school so it was a bit of a different environment in terms of the campus like here I'm in more of a campus and whereas there I was just in a city and so my freshman year I didn't really play much at all I play I played in like 11 games for like the end few minutes you know and but honestly like I kind of expected that because that's like common for freshman year you know and so I wasn't really I was like I didn't really struggle with that like I tried my hardest I felt like I was doing fine so I didn't stress too much and I was learning a lot from the older girls we had a very old we had like a lot of seniors so that was fun and then um the end of my freshman year I think it was in like April my coach unfortunately got fired which is like obviously really sucks because she was one who recruited me there so I got a new coach um, and that kind of sucked because he asked like the vast majority of us to leave and he was just kind of like clear bench so that was really tough especially because I mean I feel like I'm much more knowledgeable now of like what my like what I'm what the rules are in terms of like whether I can stay or not but then I was completely unaware of what I had the right to do or like what they had the right to do so basically when he and he did it in a very very horrible way too like he was very not nice about it so when he did that that was very tough because um I was so far I was so far away from home and I really felt like my whole life was just being like taken away which sounds really dramatic but like this isn't just where we play basketball this, this is where we live this is where we go to school like there's so many factors there and I hadn't played my freshman year so I didn't have film for other people to try recruit me like you know it was just like I just felt like I just didn't know what to do because I at that point I thought he could just kick me out but you actually they actually aren't allowed to do that and unless like you know you've done something really wrong and I didn't like I was like a good student athlete so he really didn't have anything he could use so I was lucky but um, it was definitely tough it was very tough and just because I think it's important for people to realize you know, it's, not, it's not all rosy um, and yeah. what, you, what you went through is, is horrific. And I'm just trying to create a picture like, you know, it must have been a horrible, it must have been horrific at training, you know, to have that atmosphere yeah. and know the coach didn't want you. What was it like? Can you give kind of any any insight into what it was like? Uh, no. It was definitely tough. Like it was some days were better than others. Like it really depends. Like so obviously some days you're like whatever. And then other days it's like, you know, you're gonna be in your feelings a bit more. Um and like don't get me wrong, it was crazy because when I was playing, like like he, he had amazing he had amazing ability to like instill confidence in people, but the amazing ability to do the opposite too. Cause I feel like when you're a coach, like you have such power, you know. So um yeah, it was definitely tough and like, but don't get me wrong, like the like it's crazy because I like really didn't talk to anyone about this and um, apart from like my parents and stuff because at the time I was extremely embarrassed I was like oh maybe people will think that I am really bad or that I don't deserve this or like you know like all this shame like comes to you and like really like and like that's natural but it's not the case and I really didn't talk to that many people about it but I think it's really important to like talk about these things because I mean I am not an individual case like this happens all the time all the time so um like people get asked to leave like on a daily basis you know and it's it's not right but it's like 
basketball over here is a business do you know what I mean so it's like it's really hard to like like you need to understand that it might not be for you and that's totally fine you know it's totally fine and like you're gonna put in hard work and you might not get what you think you deserve out of it and that's okay because you're gonna get something else out of it you know you're never gonna regret working hard but you might not get what you've like pictured for yourself and because these things happen all the time and it's a business and he just wanted to win and he decided that I wasn't a tool that was going to help him win in the long run so that's why he wanted rid of me and that happens all the time you know and that's okay and to admit that you're one of those people do you know what I mean I don't think it's okay that it happens I don't think it's right but it does happen and so yeah so I definitely think that's important to like you know understand that you know, it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Was that the year you came off the bench against Yale and you scored 23 points, which was yeah. um, a record, I think, for the school? Or was it? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the, that was the game where the girl who played over me was injured. So I played, like, by default, and then the same with the next game. And <laughs> what, was that same year as well that you... Um, because I was trying to get my head around this when I was researching it because sophomore and everything was yeah sorry yeah it was my sophomore year yeah um was that the year as well you 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 made the uh the division the conference team of the year oh no I think I got academic team okay and what's the what's the what's the difference there so it just means that I was like a, a student athlete like I had like it was like you played and you um maintained like a certain GPA oh okay okay cool yeah. well, I, was just, I was wondering so like things were going well for you you know on the yeah court. I was playing the best that I'd ever played like I was playing so good I was like come on put me on but it was good like it, it was cool because I would like I would be put on for like 30 seconds at the end of the game and knocked on a shot like I felt like I could do that like I felt it was crazy because like I almost do better in those situations it's weird I like I felt like very I got myself to a point like when I get to a point where I'm kind of like f you like I can kind of just skyrocket I don't know I didn't really I felt like good like I felt good in my game you know how did uh, Houston come on board or come to the fore or you know so I decided to go on the transfer portal I told my coach like right after the season and um I entered the portal which is essentially like where like all coaches can kind of see like your name and all your stats and like all this information about you and you're ranked kind of then then go to a different platform called synergy and you're basically ranked in literally every single skill, like bad, very bad, good, great, excellent, like all this stuff. And so I was contacted by a bunch of schools and um because I think like more or less everyone is contacted by a bunch. Like, I mean, schools contacting you doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna give you a scholarship, right? They just want to like open a conversation. So I was contacted by a bunch and got a good few offers for mostly D2s. And then I was actually going to commit to a school in Pennsylvania D2 school who my friend and um, trans my friend from St. Peter's also transferred to the year before she loved it there and there was a lot of internationals which is exciting to me sorry and so um eventually but then like I kind of waited a little while and I was kind of trying to figure stuff out because it wasn't a full scholarship so we were trying to figure out if it was even like affordable or like what the situation was and then I got contacted by my coach now, who's Coach Donna, and she is actually really good friends with um, James Weldon, who is my Irish international coach, the senior women's coach. So she contacted him about me, 
and then he contacted her and was like yes like and then so she called me and she was like can I fly you down like in two days to like visit and I was like okay so I went and I loved it and I was like this is the place for me and is, is James Weldon he's from Kerry is he yeah he is he's absolutely great he was my coach for the 2019 um international women's team and our experience with him was just absolutely phenomenal like great coach great guy like knows how to get a team together and knows how to hype you up and really build a great team of staff around you too so he's the best i seen there recently that um basketball learned are after bringing on sponsors and i think they could be originally mm-hmm. a carry company but i think they might be based in america or something i'm not too too sure but in that that's great advancements because i believe a couple of months ago everything was to you know you had to pay for trips yourselves you know to represent ireland and pay for a trip yourselves is 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 not acceptable i don't care whether it's male or female no i completely agree i mean the whole way up um i mean yeah even for international i mean for seniors after that is it's absurd i mean even i think even for the youth teams after it it's unbelievable because that takes people out of doing it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean like it's tough because it's expensive. I mean, the whole way up from a young age, I played for Ireland and so did Enya and Erin. So like, we can't even use the excuse to our parents, like, oh, give us some money because like we're on scholarship, you know? Like they're like, yeah, we spent all your college money on Irish teams, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is the least we could do is get a scholarship because it's so expensive. Like, it's like, it's not okay. So definitely I'm hoping we get to a point where we can get all those teams paid for because I mean, most other I mean my one of my teammates here is from Luxembourg and she's on the senior team and she gets paid to play for the senior team <laughs> do you know what I mean yes. never mind having to pay to do it do you know what I mean like it's just the complete opposite and like obviously we're not asking to get paid but like like for it to be funded would be huge and I know that that's so hard to do so the fact that GMs and stuff have been like finding a way themselves you know like their their jobs and to be coaching you know, like they're also the fundraisers at this point too. And like the business people who are trying to find fundraisers. So the fact that they've been able to do that is absolutely massive. And it's, you know, it just is another, it shows another way how committed and determined they are to make this work and like make it um, the most enjoyable and accessible for the best players to play, you know? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Definitely. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's a good point there you touched on. And I think I had, um, I had Dana Finn on, a couple of months ago um and even even the girls the footballers i had a couple of uh county footballers on and you know it's you know um the biggest barrier you know to represent your county and represent your you know your national team is you know it's self-funded you're not getting you know and you might even be getting mileage you know and not that you want it but if the males are getting it there's no reason you know why the females shouldn't be getting it like um you shouldn't be like at the end of the day, you shouldn't be out of pocket to represent your national team, you know. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully the the steps have been, you know. I I think things are going the right direction, and hopefully it'll, it'll continue. Um, back to Houston. Um, you know what makes Houston different to where you are? Where, you know where you were before. Obviously, New York and and Texas yeah. are completely different. Yeah, Houston is completely different. I mean, I definitely find the transition from New York to Houston, like not harder, but like more of a change than from Ireland to New York. And that's because, I mean, I was like in the summers, 
like when I was younger I would always come to New York with family because I had family there and stuff so I was more used to it Texas was more like foreign to me and but definitely it is a difference living on a campus like I live on a campus now which is obviously different to living in a city and and which is really great and like I definitely had a really good um I definitely had I mean my roommate in New York was amazing Zoe Piero and she was my teammate and her family really took me in they lived like five minutes from school um, and I had some great people there and but here I definitely have like a lot of people that I consider consider like family you know like I definitely have a really good group of people here that I could turn to about anything and that's with on campus and off campus so that's definitely huge I definitely feel like I'm in I mean it's ironic because I'm in New York I felt like I was with family because I was with family but here like although I'm away from family I feel like I'm still in a family environment which is like really huge for me just for like being so far away from home and I mean me and Anya are both very well taken care of over here so we're very lucky that way um you know we obviously touched on the past season all that has been you know it's quite difficult and you had to sit out 2019 and you obviously played 2020 um and what's the outlook going forward when's the season kicking off so the season starts in so we start back to pre-season in august and then we start the season in october i believe this year it started later it started in november because of covid and um, but now like it usually starts in october so i'd say we'll be back to normal by then I read this. I read something, and I couldn't believe it. That's why I I have to I have to throw it to you. Is really true? And you started playing for the Irish internationals on the sixteen side at the age of twelve or thirteen. It is. So I was. So it was like the under sixteen team that was training from under fifteen. So technically, they were under fifteen. But I was twelve. <laughs> I was twelve. Yeah, and I went for the trial and um. By the time I was on the squad, I think I was 13 and I loved it. And we got, went to Paris with that team. It was my first Irish team. We went to Paris and then that team actually ended up getting suspended. And then I was on the last 15 and then my team started. So I had to choose whether I wanted to do my age group or that age group. Because at that point you could only do one or the other. So that team was suspended. So I chose my team, which was not suspended. My age group. Why was this suspended or just? between the was it every second year or, or what was it yeah oh no it was like there was issues on the team or something okay. along those lines so they ended up being ended so i moved to but so it was just like on pause it ended up resuming but it was just like on pause for a little while fair enough fair enough um you know not yeah. many people get the opportunity <laughs> to you know to represent their country and you know i love asking people who you know who have represented ireland can you can you put into words what it's like? I suppose to you know whatever ball playing with them underage, but you know you've that you've had the opportunity to play with Ireland international senior side. What's it like? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's like I can easily say that's like my greatest pride and joy is having played for Ireland and like and. Um, I mean, I just don't believe that there's anything that can beat like putting on, like wearing that jersey, you know, like it just means so much to me. And like, not only that, it's like standing alongside your teammates who it means equally as much to, 
you know like having everyone there and just feeling so proud and like that you that joy does like that pride does radiate through and like our trips to Norway and Estonia in 2019 when we last traveled and was amazing and like we all just felt like I mean we all I mean you just you almost do better than what you should do because you just are so like this is so great you know like and the fact that everyone's loving it is just so amazing like I don't I don't really know how to put it into words because it's just like every time I've done it from a young age I mean even with youth like I just enjoyed it so much and it was just something that made me feel so proud and and it's something I felt like would make my parents feel so proud and it did so like that was like huge for me too and you know you've been in in you alluded already you've been in in America around five years I think you said five yeah five this is your fifth year in in the states isn't it yeah what have yeah. you learned that time? You've been through a huge amount. You've been through difficulty in, you know, in in um yeah. in New York, and you had to, obviously then you had the transition between New York and Houston, and not only that, you had to move from, you know, from three different schools from Hun College, the um the college in in New York, and then to, you know, to where you are now in Houston. So you had three times you were moving. So how did you find that? that transition and the settling phase I definitely the thing I was most nervous about was for moving to Houston especially because um firstly firstly I didn't know Houston secondly I was coming in as a junior transfer so it wasn't like I was coming in as a freshman you know like new girl like I was junior and also I was traveling with Ireland that summer so I came like two weeks late so not only was I like two years late joining the school I was like two extra weeks late so I was like, I'm gonna have no friends. And um, but I am very I'm a very chatty person, like I don't have much bother chatting to people. So um I found it all right, like adapting and like I mean, I love meeting new people, like it's like something I like really enjoy to do. So like moving to like a new school was like really exciting to me. As much as I was kind of nervous, I was also like, this is like a huge range of people that I can like meet and like, you know, be friends, like be friends with. Like that was exciting to me. <clears throat> So yeah, it was great. I mean, I've learned so much over the five years. Like I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about others, about um, about basketball, about college basketball. Like I feel like I've definitely grew a lot and like I'm still growing and learning every single day. And um, so yeah, I've learned a lot. You know, the only reason I'm asking this now is because this gets thrown at me regularly. Um, and I know my accent is quite strong um and I can be difficult to understand yeah. did people find you difficult to understand when you you know went to America first day yeah definitely and so that's why I mean people like kind of give me a hard time about it now because they'll be like oh you have like a bit of American in you and that's like the biggest insult to me of all time like I hate that because I want to have my Belfast accent forever and but yeah it was deaf I definitely got I mean I had to like adapt like in terms of words I say or like how I say some words if I didn't want to hear what like every two minutes you know it's like I had to do it because I was like I'm sick of hearing what so I had to change some words and I had like and a word that I say weirdly now is like because obviously in, in Northern Ireland we'll say like our par shar and like people have like no idea what I'm saying so like over here I'll be like oh you're par but it's still like not right you know like and I'm like I don't know so then like both sides are like what are you talking about and um, but yeah people definitely found me a little bit difficult to understand so I tried to adapt and I did a bit and so 
you know, it's fine. But literally, someone tell me I have a bit of American in my accent really hurts my feelings. So if people cannot say that, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, look, the, the, the main thing is, how did you find it, you know, going into the teams um, with with Irish, you know, with the Northern Ireland, the Irish accent, you know, me, you know, probably meeting people in class and things, it might be too bad because you have time to think to change your accent. But, you know, when you're in that, high pressure environment on the court the true irishness can probably come yeah. out in you very very easily yeah 100 i actually and um, it was ugh, i have like a huge memory of this my freshman year and all my teammates at the time will remember because they literally made fun of it for the rest of the year but one of our plays i was a point guard at the time and i switched my sophomore year to <clears throat> shooting guard but when i was a point guard obviously i had to yell the plays every single time time down the floor and so one of the times, I can't even remember. Oh, it was Chase or something. I think it was called Chase at like C-H-A-S-E. Like that was one of our plays. And obviously they don't say it like Chase. Like they say something different. And my coach stopped and like my coach, like my coach, my freshman year, I loved her like, and she literally stopped and like started screaming at me. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, that's not one of our plays. Like, are you crazy? Like all the stuff. And I was like, it is like, I was literally like, I mean, I don't know. And like my, my whole, like all my teammates understood me at that point, you know, like they, you know, we'd been running up down the court so much that they got me. So they were like, no, she's saying this. And they were like, she, she had no idea that that's what I was saying. And like, she's the best, like that's happened like a few times where people have been like, what are you talking about? But I think with practicing every day with them, your teammates do just get more used to it, you know? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I'd like to get the, to understand, you know, you, you know, you're playing at a high stand, you're playing division one, you know, uh, basketball and you're achieving, you know, you're doing um, an MBA now at the moment. And, you know, you're obviously doing well in college to, you know, university to keep the scores up. And, and, and um, I see that you're on a few councils and, and, you know, extracurricular stuff. How do you balance your time? Um, I think from well, it's definitely been easier this year actually because everything's been online, and um, so which is great because definitely when you have to go to class and stuff like that, like in person, like as a lot of my teammates miss it. I personally do not like. I like kind of online because I can. I think it's much more flexible. You can kind of plan your day how you want it. Um, and I personally really like having a bit of chill time at some point in my day, whether it's for 30 minutes, like I don't care, like I need some type of chill time. So I like being able to plan like when I wake up, what time I practice and then work around and um, like schedule my work and schoolwork around that. So then like, yeah, I actually this year it's actually been a lot easier, I have to say, just because things have been online. Would you be um, would you be an early morning person? Yes, usually. So recently I've been, so I actually got myself into a bit of a not an early morning person situation because, so I was, I was very annoying. Like I would wake up at seven and like, doesn't matter. I could went to bed at 6am and I'll wake up at seven. Like I wouldn't be waking up any later than that. And um, which is great. I love that. Like I love being up early. And, um, but then in like January and um, we got shut down for nearly all of January because some of my teammates got uh, covid and it ended up going through my whole team. And if you're roommates with them, you have to quarantine, basically. So I ended up quarantining for like a really long time, even though um, I didn't have COVID, luckily, touch wood. And so basically, I then got into that 
typical quarantine routine where I was watching movies and then getting up whenever and like I just got myself into a really bad habit so I'm trying to I've been working myself back out of that and I'm better now like I would say I'm more like eight or nine now but I was definitely sleeping in like 11 for a while what would be two non-negotiables for you every day two non-negotiables 100% FaceTime my mom we talk every day without a doubt um that's one non-negotiable my second one I honestly am not really like I don't know like I kind of switch it up like I'm very good with the flow like other than practice work and school work I mean I like I said I always like to make sure I have a bit of chill time mm-hmm. at some point whether it's like 30 minutes like I have to have that bit of just chill I've spoken to a lot of people before and I always draw this to them just to see how you know how they how to respond and what's their opinion on it but you know in our you know back when we were growing up um we're, we're, still, we're still growing up actually but you know back when we were younger um we we didn't have any social media all we probably had was you know we'd knock your phone and you know so as time went on then you would be well etc but the younger generations nowadays um you know have the phone it's glued to them and it's very hard to get downtime so that's yeah. one aspect and the other aspect is i suppose from your perspective um or even from you know professional athletes perspective it can be quite hard not to look at twitter or look at social media for you know fa- for validation on their performance um and then you obviously have bully- bullying as well so you have a number of different things yeah. happening um what's your feeling around social media um and the effect it's having on young generations and origin or generations but firstly to start with the after game like looking at stats and stuff I definitely think that's huge because I mean I know I definitely got sucked into that a lot at St Peter's and because I was always trying to compare my efficiencies like I was like how efficient am I being because it's much more than just what you're scoring and mm-hmm. you know stuff like your rebound stuff like there's a lot of things that contribute to your efficiency like whether you actually impacted the game positively or negatively when you've been on the floor and that those calculations are shown so that was huge for me to look at those and I think it's okay to look at those if you're looking at them with the right perspective like if you're but I really got myself to a point now where I don't do that I actually don't go on and like study that and compare it because it's literally it's okay if you don't like and I would do it more so if I had a bad game I'd be like oh my gosh let me go look how terrible I was like who cares you had a bad game like don't like it's okay just get back in the gym tomorrow you know like it's fine and so that's definitely been something that was huge for me sports wise and then just in general I definitely think that social media has the ability to be extremely harmful if you aren't looking at it from the right perspective and if you're not really controlling what's on your feed you know like obviously we can see things coincidentally sometimes or happen to see things from what other people have reposted or something along those lines but you overall really can control what's on your feed and and so whether it's I mean I think one thing that everyone has to remember is our Instagrams and everything like that like there are highlight reels do you know what I mean like people don't look that all like that all the time people aren't as smiley as they look all the time in their Instagram like think things are different you know what I mean like 
there's days that I'm crying. I'm not going to post pictures of me crying. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to post that type of stuff and that's okay, but you can't compare like, cause I know I've went through phases of that and still do where me and you both do this. Well, where you almost compare your low times to their high times. You know what I mean? Cause that's all you can see. Whereas that's not what you should do. And so I think that's huge, especially nowadays in terms of like body image and like stuff like that. And just like, putting the stuff on your feed that you know that will either encourage you to love yourself and be okay with yourself and or encourage and like it's okay if like you want a different body image if you want to try and prove yourself but like in a way that I mean you know what I mean so it's it's okay if you want to do that but it's understanding how to do it in a way that's like constructive or in a way that will actually encourage you while still promoting like self-love you know what I mean like I think that's so huge because that's something that so many people struggle with like I struggle with that like I'll I mean talk about myself negatively sometimes too and then I'm like what am I doing you know like it's okay you know I think it's just remembering that it's okay so I think for social media the thing that I would advise is like shape your feed to something that you're okay with seeing something that will help you like you come first when it comes to your social media point no that's that's a very good point um and you know something i i i you throw to to people as well um you know what's your experience of team building you know in the different team environments you've been in and what do you think works yeah i definitely think so with the irish team we did a lot of really great stuff i mean obviously with irish teams it's a bit different because you're going down for like a weekend at a time you know, and then leaving again and then coming. So you, within that weekend of staying together, you do team, team building stuff. And like I said, like James Weldon and Kieran Shannon and Alan, they all do a really great job of like finding activities for us to do to really, you know, gel together as a team. And like, I think it's huge to not only gel together, but gel together in a way that you have those similar goals. You're all goal-driven towards the same thing and you're all on the same page. Like that was really huge. And that's something that I think we did really, really well with that Irish team. I think it's also important to remember that, like, I think a lot of the times people try to force, force, like, the entire team to be best friends, and that's just not realistic, you know? Like, you're not going to have people, like, an entire team that love each other. Like, 15, like, 12 to 15 people is just too much for like like if you get a team like that where everyone loves each other like you've locked out because that's just not realistic really you know so you're gonna have groups on teams like clicks and like that's okay as long as you're when it comes to the goal and you step across the line of the court like you're all there for each other and you're all teammates and you're all willing to you know work together like that's huge so I definitely think team building exercises are massive and I think like having people who understand like it's okay like we don't have to be best friends but let's like do whatever we can to help each other to get ourselves in the best position to win together you know definitely no definitely and team culture um you know looking back you know you've been in a huge amount of high high performance environments um you know whether it's with ireland or or with the the universities you've been you know with the teams you've been with in, in the states um or even when you're in above in Belfast as well, for, for that matter. From your experience, um, what do you think team culture is? You know, you know what what are the pillars of a good team culture for you? I think that the pillars would be 
in your and, opinion, like, you know, it, yeah. everyone would be different, but in your of opinion. course, I think it's like a perfect balance of selflessness and selfishness almost because I feel like you need to be selfish enough to know when you need to go for it and you need to take charge and you need to put the t- like do something for the team and um, but equally know when it's when it's your time to accelerate someone else does that make any sense so yeah. it's like yeah so I definitely think that's huge so it's like the the best teams I've been on like the, the best teams I've been on have not been the most talented teams I've been on like I can confidently say that the best teams I've been on have been those who know their roles, know everyone else's roles and are willing to stick to those roles and to help accelerate others' roles. Does that make sense? Sorry, that yeah. might have been no, a lot of no, it, no, it does definitely 100%. It does. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll delve down into that. You know, how would I think that's the way you put that is actually brilliant. And I'm probably going to use that as well going forward. <laughs> but you know how, in your experience, how how would people accelerate other people's roles? Is it through like, you know, is it through leadership groups or is it through you know punctuation? You know, is it through encouraging studies or bonding yeah. or match? Even down to the smallest thing of matching gear. Do you know the way everyone has the same yeah. gear stuff like that? I definitely think it. Like I said before, when I was talking about the leadership thing, I think it depends on who the person is. Mm-hmm. So, like, different people need different things. Like, there's some people on my team who literally all they need is a tap on the shoulder. Like, if you were to say something to them, they would maybe get agitated. But if you pat them on the shoulder, like, oh, see, and vice versa. Like, there could be some people that do not touch them, but just say something quick to them. Some people want more of an encouragement. Other people want more of like a come on, like, like you're better than this, you know. And um, it really depends. But I definitely think creating that team culture where yeah you're wearing the same stuff like you're doing a bit of a team chant beforehand like when the starters are running out you have those handshakes like all those stuff add together to create like a togetherness that I think is really really important but I do think that it's hard for a team to do well with like a couple of leaders leader figures you know who like kind of understand like each person and like can give each person that bit of acceleration that they need in the way that they need it because like everyone's different like you know you could say the same thing to five people and it'll affect one person positively and the rest negatively or vice versa you know like it really depends like you need to know the individual definitely no definitely and um we i know we already touched on you know plans when the basketball chapter closes um but down the line would you like to get into coaching I could see myself getting into coaching. I don't know if I would do it like full time division one standard. I mean, I think I would be, that would be really cool. And, um, but I think I definitely am going to go more of a business route, but I would love to coach like on the side, 100%. I would love to coach on the side. Was it difficult for you to get recognition from the States? I definitely think that, I mean, from a very young age, like my mom has always been like, it doesn't matter if you are the worst player in the gym, if you're being loud and you're encouraging and you're that person, like you're always going to have a positive, positive effect on the team. And like, I truly believe that. Like if you're, like if you are a great teammate, you are a great asset, like period. So like, that's definitely something that was huge to me. And I definitely think, 
another thing growing up, which was huge, was putting in that extra work, whether it was for an hour before or after practice and coming back later. Like, that's huge too. Because, I mean, people may not notice it. People will notice it. Who cares? They're going to notice it when you're on the court and you're doing that bit better than others. You know what I mean? So I definitely think that that's huge. But if you're talking about, like, right here, right now, like my advice to anyone would be be loud and be encouraging because that's not going to go unnoticed ever <laughs> ever so I think that's huge what kind of training would you do like I know you obviously do training on the you know on the court which is fair enough um but you know we say from you know a gym or aerobic perspective because I played basketball before and I thought I'd absolutely collapse <laughs> at the fitness <laughs> recording this oh my god basketball is one of those sports I've always said this like you cannot replicate it like you can't like you have to like be playing basketball to basketball fit you know what I mean I don't know I just always think that and obviously like off season when you can't play like you have to do other stuff to keep like some level of fitness but you can't just do like a certain type of fitness and then like get back into basketball and be fine like basketball is different because it's so like but yeah so to try and kind of replicate that I did a lot of like interval and fartlek running and just because they're the type of like start and stop start and stop type of runs and and then also like from from I was like maybe 13 I worked or maybe 14 no yeah 13 I think I worked with a strength and conditioning coach me and my and both of my sisters and my mom was like huge on getting us to do that and for more than anything just for a a prehab type of thing just so that we would be used to our muscles doing certain types of movement so that made it easier in the transition to uh, weight training over here and but yeah so we do weight training four days a week and we do two upper body days and two lower body days and so that would be like more of the the weight training type of stuff but then when it comes to conditioning we would do more that in basketball so we switch up like our um the type of conditioning we do so whether it's like ladders or suicides or um yeah so it could be like a 10 and 10 or a 20 and 20 so it's like 10 suicides in 10 minutes or 20 suicides in 20 minutes or you'll have like ladders so it's like up and back in 12 and up and back twice in 25 then up and back uh, three times in 40 like and then back down like stuff like that so it's not too bad like I actually don't mind that stuff I don't mind sprinting if you ask me to run a mile that's when I would get upset like I don't want to do anything that's like constant but like I'll run up and down a basketball court all day and um, which is kind of ironic but yeah so that's the type of stuff we do but I definitely when I was like at home or like not even when I'm off season I'll do like fart like running because that's the thing that I find most um but replicates it the most, I guess. What's, what, I, I know what interval running is, but what's, what's fart like uh, running? Fart like's kind of like, so it's like, um, interval's more like you start and you stop, sort of, whereas fart like's more like you sprint and then you'll like run and then you'll like jog then you'll sprint and you'll jog. Like you don't really stop. Uh, look, Anna, I'll wrap it up there. Um, I appreciate it for taking time out and coming on the Inside View podcast and look, best look with everything else going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Anna. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank Anna for coming on the interview podcast and best look with everything going forward. That is all from, from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to be part of it in any way possible. Email us um, info on the ball, teambuilding.com. 
you find us on instagram at underscore on the ball team building over on facebook it's on the ball team building over on twitter it's at we are on the ball two that's a digit two we're on linkedin on the ball team building and you'll also find us on tiktok on the ball team building have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred on a fan talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening